Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Exploring Awesome. On this episode, we have part two with uh, Dr. Dan Nightingale talking about hope for dementia patients. Each week, I explore tips, tricks, and strategies to help you and me live a more awesome life. And with that, I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Daniel Nightingale to the show. Hello, Doc. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening, wherever you are in the world. (laughs) Now, um... For the folks that didn't, uh, didn't for some crazy reason, did not tune in last week, uh, uh, Dr. Nightingale, can you just give them a, just a quick rundown on, uh, on the, uh, the findings that you talked about last week? Yeah. Um, we conducted the empirical research project in Liverpool, and the really interesting outcomes focused on seven key areas. And those seven key areas impacted on quality of life in a really big way. And, you know, we, we weren't particularly looking for anything special, and we didn't know what was going to happen when we did the research, as I said. So the outcomes that we found in those seven key areas, the first one was all about concentration. We started to see improvements in people's concentration levels. And this went from baseline of a zero, we started at zero for baseline, and within three months it had shot up to three on the, uh, on the scale. So, and it kind of stayed there throughout the entire nine-month project. It stayed at around about three, which was quite high. The other two groups, which was the neutral group and treatment as usual group, there was, there was no significant difference. In fact, uh, one of the groups, which was the treatment-as-usual group, just deteriorated, as would be expected. So that was concentration. So that was, you know, that was very encouraging. And then we started to see changes in relaxation as well. So, you know, we spoke last week about anxiety levels and fear being fuels for dementia. And so we were, you know, we were seeing these people who were fueled by high anxiety states and uh, inability to relax, inability to rest, inability to sleep properly. And we started to see differences in relaxation. And that shot right up to just under six um, on the on the scale. Wow. And six is the highest. So you could go wow. from zero to six. And six. So, you know, relaxation. Hey, we were using hypnosis. So, of course, these guys are going to improve in their ability to relax. You know, that's what hypnosis right. is, isn't it? So, so that was great. And then the third thing we were seeing was um, improvement in motivation. And I just want to jump in here with a, with a case study. There was a yeah. guy called, we'll, we'll call him um, Frank for sakes of confidentiality. So Frank was at a stage of his dementia where he'd been diagnosed with clinical depression. Frank had taken to his bed and he was no longer 
getting up, no longer getting dressed, no longer eating, no longer communicating, no longer interacting with the world. And we call this face against the wall. Basically, I've had enough, I'm going to die. And I worked with him and um, he changed. After about four weeks, we started to see a change. And I arrived, he lived in a, a nursing home and I arrived there at week four or week five and he was standing at the door and he was, he, wow. he greeted, he was with the manager and uh, they greeted me at the door. So we, and there's a lot more to that case that, that I could talk about, but you know, we, we don't have time on the show. But um, he, he was a guy whose motivation levels just like changed changed completely yeah. and you know when we started working with him his short-term memory his immediate memory working memory was completely annihilated it just didn't exist everything you asked him every question mm -hmm. oh i don't know i don't remember i don't remember well, have you had a cup of tea uh, i don't remember you know, that, those kind of things. And that was his, his response all the time. He couldn't remember anything. So um, so that changed for him. And you can imagine the impact on his quality of life through that mm -hmm. happening. And, and you know, he, he grew and he, he started to return to his old self. And he was in the lounge with the other residents and he was interacting with them and he'd go down to the dining room and you know, have uh, have lunch and dinner with, with other people. So we saw a major, major change in his motivation levels. And that was the same for for the rest of them. You know, the motivation changed um, for, for all the people that were in that study. And since then, during my clinical practice, and more or less every person I've worked with who's living with dementia, that I see the same thing. I see the same pattern. So, um, so that's very, very, you know, that's a really interesting thing for me. The fourth area yeah. is um, activities of daily living. So people actually be motivated enough to get up, to get dressed, to eat, to talk, to play, to do all the things that you do in a, in a normal day, which, um, of course, we see people living with dementia struggle with that. And so we started to see an improvement in that. The next one so was uh, immediate memory. Now, mm -hmm. dementia, primary dementia, the primary dementia is a neurodegenerative. They, they deteriorate over time. They shouldn't get any better. It just shouldn't improve. We shouldn't see any improvement in immediate memory. But we did. We saw improvements mm -hmm. in immediate memory. And, um, and that was... That in itself is amazing, but you know, since since I did this research and during you know as I work with people and on a daily basis in clinical practice, but there's been other studies and other research from around the world doing other things, not, nothing to do with hypnotherapy, but things like walking and things like uh, the adult coloring books, which have become very very popular. So those those two activities together have shown an increase in the size of the hippocampus. And, you know, the hippocampus is where memory is. And from the age of um, 
from the age of 40, your hippocampus shrinks 0.5% every year. But through these activities, they're able to see on a scan the, an increase in size. Now, this explains some reason why immediate memory is improving. And we're doing the same effectively in hypnosis. So we're seeing the same, uh, the same results, the same effect. The sixth area was memory for significant events. Being able to remember birthdays, being able to remember my wife's um, birthday and my wedding anniversary and stuff like that. So that was uh, interesting as well, but it, it kind of fits in with the okay. immediate memory. And then the seventh and final area is uh, an improvement in socialization skills. Now, all these improvements are comparable to the other two uh, groups, which was the neutral group and the treatment that who who attended a daily discussion group and the treatment of usual uh, the treatment as usual, no change in treatment for the other group. Um, so, what I find interesting is that it all makes so much sense because everything is driven by that anxiety and fear, and if you're tapping mm -hmm. into it and you're easing it and allowing people to relax, then it, it makes sense that we see improvements in all these areas. Um, the control group attending a weekly discussion, there was, there was a little bit of improvement here and there, but then it started to drop yeah. off, started to deteriorate. The same with um, the, the guys who treatment as usual, there was very little change in, in most areas, um, but in areas like the memory aspect of it, we saw a decrease in change, especially on uh, memory for significant events. We saw you know, a, big, a big change in the treatment as usual group in terms of deterioration. So yeah. those are the seven key areas where we continue to see improvements through clinical hypnotherapy. That's fantastic. I do remember, too, you were saying uh, last time that even after um, the hypnotherapy had ended, there were still some, uh, some good results happening. That's right, um, Jim. The longitudinal study, we saw the same, the same areas, the same improvements. Uh, with one person, there'd been a, an attrition rate of, of one. Only one person had died out of the... Yeah. Um, out of the initial group, active group. Mm -hmm. So that was encouraging. And yes, we, we continue to see improvements um, 12 months post-treatment. So that was, yeah. uh, that was really interesting. And I, I also, I'm sure I, I talked about the possible theories behind that and what the hypotheses were. Um, you know, we hypothesized that maybe because we are taking people into a really deep-rooted state of relaxation, they're um, freeing up their cognitive resources to enjoy a positive moment, to enjoy positive suggestion, to take on board positive suggestion, and for those positive suggestions mm -hmm. to kind of continue throughout. And um, right. I think I mentioned the other thing about the acetylcholine levels as well 
in people living with, um, certainly with Alzheimer's disease, there's a deficiency in the production of acetylcholine, which you need for your memory and, uh, and other things. Mm -hmm. And this, this comes when you're asleep at night time. You know, you hit REM sleep, your brain gets a massive shot of acetylcholine, well, of course, we know that when your reticular activating system is damaged and destroyed and annihilated, that can't happen because I can't get any sleep because my reticular activating system switches on and off my conscious awareness. So I don't know if it's time to sleep, if it's time to wake, or what, what's going on. So, um, so maybe there, when we're taking people into that deep-rooted state of hypnosis and they're hitting the REM sleep, maybe they're getting yeah. a massive shot of acetylcholine and maybe that's been, you know, continually producing post-treatment because these guys have got used to relaxing. The, the, their anxiety levels are much lower and their fear factor is much lower. So it's all right. very interesting let stuff. Me, uh, let, me, let me jump in there real quick, just in case we have anybody out there listening that has any questions for uh, uh, Dr. Daniel Nightingale. Uh, as I talked about last time, he's uh, very well qualified. I don't even have his <laughs> all of his. Uh, I dropped the ball today. I don't have all of his qualifications ahead of me. But he's a he's a hypnotherapist that specializes hypnotherapist that specializes in uh, in uh, dementia care. And uh, I'll let him talk about his qualifications in a minute because I don't want to I don't want to mix it up. And uh, I just want to let you know if you want to call in, talk to the expert. The uh, number is six one nine nine two four zero seven four four. Again, that's 619-924-0744. I also want to, um, Dr., uh, Dr., you just you'd mentioned earlier that, uh, that you couldn't go into the whole, um, all the information about all the case studies because, of course, it would take too long. We've got a half-an-hour program here. Uh, where's a good place for people to, um, to get a hold of you uh, to find out more about that? I, also, I understand that you also do talks on dementia, and so if somebody wanted to contact you to, to have you come and do a talk or something, how would they, how would they do that? Yeah, the best way for them to do is go to the website Dementia Therapy Specialists with an S dot com. Mm. Dementia Therapy Specialists dot com. And you'll get loads of information on there and um my email address is on there as well. And we have I think I've, I think there's about nineteen clinicians around the world who who are also on the website who have trained to use hypnotherapy with people living with dementia. They, um, they're dementia therapy specialists in addition to their Oops. hypnotherapy qualification. So um, you, can, you, know, you can get hold of those people as well if you need a therapist. If anybody needs a therapist in a particular area in England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, Australia, U.S., Canada, uh, la, 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 South Africa, Netherlands. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of them on there, so people can always contact a therapist. But, yeah, mine, um, mine's on there as well, and my email address is dr for doctor, drdan at dementiatherapyspecialists.com. And, yes, I'm a keynote speaker <laughs> as well as a clinician. Um, so I can, you know, mm -hmm. I do a lot of talks um, about about dementia per se and about the disease itself and the 
the up-to-date research and um, the kind of things we're using to treat dementia, both pharmacological and non-pharmacological interventions. So that's a good place and, to look uh, to start for the website. Excellent. And, uh, and not only um, um, Dr. Daniel, a specialist in, uh, in this area, he's also an actor and a comedian, so I expect that his talk is, uh, is going to be uh, not going to be boring is what I would say. Absolutely not. Very, very interesting. Very <laughs> intriguing. And very humorous. Yeah. I can, I, you know, I take a serious, very, very serious subject, a very serious topic, and make it palatable, you know, for, for people. And I think that's important. You know, it's, it's, I can remember back in, uh, when I was in massage school, and um, I remember I had a teacher that was, that was really engaging, and he was through humor in sometimes, and and it was anatomy, which I, I thought I was just going to just do terrible, in, and I ended up getting a B. And then the very next uh, quarter, the uh, the teacher was just one of these that stands up there at the podium and just uh, – it's like the Charlie Brown teacher, and I, I nearly failed the class. Um, so there's a huge difference in the way the material is presented. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Now, yeah. I want to um, touch on something, too. You know, I, I, uh, I have a couple questions for you, and then I also want to touch on something that you said – because I, I love this, uh, you said when you were talking about one of the areas, I think it was the, uh, the immediate memory, um, you were talking about uh, it shouldn't work. There's no, you know, if, you, if somebody said, well, this worked for this, you'd probably go, I, I doubt it. There's, there's no reason it should work. And you know what? I've ran into that so many times with hypnosis. Um, I remember one case in particular, I had a weight loss client that um, she wanted to know if I could help her with hot flashes. I said, I, I don't see any way that it would, but, hey, let's give it a try. And sure enough, she came back, um, she got back in touch with me a month later and said uh, there was a huge decrease in the, uh, in the um, uh, hot flashes. And, uh, and then I actually uh, heard later that there was a research study or two that uh, was done that showed the uh, efficacy. So uh, I tell you, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly amazed a lot of times. I, get, I bet you run into that a lot too, uh, Dr. Nightingale. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I... As well, I'm a, my, my main profession, I'm a clinical dementia specialist, and I use clinical hypnotherapy as part of my clinical work. But, yeah, I, I get a lot of situations and circumstances where hypnotherapy has such a positive impact when really you wouldn't think, ah, that won't help. Hypnotherapy won't help. It won't work. And right. I'm beginning to... You know, I've always believed that aspirin is a wonder drug. And if your legs fall off oh, really? and you take aspirin, it'll grow back again. Well, <laughs> I'm beginning to think the same about hypnotherapy. You know, I think um, hypnotherapy is just amazing. It's an amazing tool to use. But, you know, when you break it down, it it makes sense because, what have we got? Somewhere between 75 and 95% of all our thinking, all our actions, everything we do, think, say, is, is based in the subconscious. And there's not a lot going on at the conscious level. You know, we, really, when you look at it and think about it, we mainly walk around like zombies because mm-hmm. we, we don't do a great deal at the conscious level. Most things are driven by the subconscious. And we don't know where that is. You know, it's not, it's not a piece of anatomy. 
It's not one of the, you know, it's not one of the, the lobes in the brain. It's not your frontal lobe. It's not your temporal. It's not your parietal. It's not your occipital. It's, it's, it, what is it? Where is it? You know, we don't know, do we? And um, and I think that's the that's where the um, the secret lies, the fact that we're not dealing with any part of the anatomy. We're not working with people's mm-hmm. hippocampus. We're not working with the, the substantia nigra in the centre of the brain. We're not. We're bypassing all that, and we're going somewhere else, somewhere unknown. And um, and I think yeah. that is is the beauty of hypnotherapy, the fact that. We we can't say well you know what your hippocampus has shrunk this much it's it's done it's finished it's broken your reticular activating right. system is broken it's it's just not functioning anymore and we can't make it function well your subconscious never stops functioning does it it doesn't break no. it's there and it's the central driving force yeah. of everything so that's. Uh, that's why I think, you know, hypnotherapy has such an impact on all kinds of things, whether it's physiological or whether it's, you know, mental health. I know a guy in London who, um, Michael Julian, he's called, and he was, he's, a, he's been a clinical hypnotherapist for, he's very old, he's been a clinical hypnotherapist for probably 60 plus years. And for about 40 of those years, he has used hypnotherapy with people with schizophrenia, active schizophrenia. And that's always wow. something we say, we're told and taught, oh, no, don't use hypnosis with somebody with active schizophrenia. But, you know, he right. had some ma- major successes with these people, major successes. Yeah. He's... Um, wow. He's worth Googling, actually, is Michael Julian, because he's a, he's a songwriter. He wrote a lot of the stuff for Shirley yeah. Bassey, if you know who Shirley Bassey is. I don't know if you know her. Well, you know Shirley Bassey? A multi-talented girl. I don't know her. <laughs> she's, a, she's a world-famous singer. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he's written some of her, her hits and stuff. But he's... Yeah, he's worth looking at, Michael Julian. If he's still around, he's in London. Um, and he he came on my very, very first training course for um, hypnotherapy for people with dementia in London, maybe 10 years ago or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it was... It, it, so, yeah, the subconscious, driving force of everything, methinks. Hmm. Wow, I just um I just I just googled Shirley Bassey and I folks you should know who she is. She's she is um wow, she actually uh recorded the the theme songs for a bunch of uh James Bond films too. Um She did, yeah. So Absolutely. check that out. <laughs> and she's well. Yeah, so check out our show. <laughs> You've um, heard of Tom Jones, I I take it. Of course, who hasn't? <laughs> ah, well, you see, Shirley and Tom come from Wales, Welsh Wales, around about the same era, uh-huh. and they've achieved around about uh-huh. the same success. Ah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I wanted to um, to talk about this. Now, you had said that uh, walking and uh, coloring both showed uh, increases in the hippocampus, uh, size of the hippocampus, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, and were there any other 
have there been any other interventions? So, you know, we talked about, of course, about hypnotherapy, and then I guess the walking and coloring has helped. Are there any other interventions that have really shown great promise in, in helping this, uh, this condition, dementia? Yes. Something called Montessori therapy. And I'm sure listeners will be familiar with Montessori-type schools, yeah? Yeah. There was a guy in America called Dr. Cameron Camp, and he was washing up. He was washing his dishes one day, and he was looking out of his kitchen window, and he thought, you know what, I wonder if Montessori-type activities would benefit people living with dementia. So he did some research on it at the university, and I, can't, I, I forget which university Cameron Camp was at at the time. And um, he, he had some fantastic outcomes, and he did some really good work. Well, when I was back in the UK, I took his research a little bit further. I stretched the boundaries, like I, I like to do. And um, I wanted to know if in people living in a nursing home with advanced dementia, if I could lay down new neuronal pathways in their brain through repetitive muscular activity during a dining experience. So I got a whole group of people who were no longer able to eat independently. They were being uh, fed by the staff and put together some repetitive muscular activity exercises taken from Cameron Camp's study and we did this 45 minutes pre-dining experience and at day four and day five every one of those people started to eat independently again they either wow. used their finger wow. or used a spoon or a fork, but they were doing it themselves. They were doing it independently. So Montessori therapy is a fantastic way of, uh, you know, helping people lay down new neuronal pathways. And, you know, it really it fits in with, with all the stuff we now know about the neuroplasticity. You know, so it, it makes sense that we can we can change things within the brain. So it's not all doom and gloom for people living with dementia. There are things we can do. There's an awful lot we can do to improve quality of life. Sadly, there is no cure for uh, the primary dementias at this moment in time. And whether there will be or not, we have to wait and see. But psychosocial interventions, Jim, appear to be the best way of helping people improve quality of life and reducing um, care of stress. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I gotta. I just. Uh, I gotta say, we need. You know, we need more people like like you and and uh, and Dr. Camp and, and these others that are that are looking for um, thinking outside the box for these kind of things. Uh, I also want to mention too, and I, I'm gonna have uh, Dr. Dan back on the show um, in the future because he's got. Uh, He's such an interesting guy. I tell you, he. Uh, in fact, I wish I we would have had lunch or something while we both lived in Phoenix. That would have been uh, fantastic. Um, he uh, he also trained with uh, uh, Dr. Patch uh, Adams. Yeah, Dr. Patch Adams, and uh, so he he uh, integrates humor into uh, to his his practice, which I think is 
is uh, important. Folks, we're going to be wrapping up here in just a minute. I'm going to give uh, Dr. Dan just a minute to uh, give us any final thoughts. I do want to let you know that if you want to try hypnosis, uh, absolutely no charge. You can sign up uh, at my website to get a free download, and that's jimkellnerhypnotist.com. You can also find that in the show notes, as well as information for contacting uh, Dr. Dan. If you want to do it the easy way for you and me, because it's uh, automatic, you can text the word EZTRANCE to 313131. Again, that's uh, EZ Trance 313131. And uh, I'll send you out a free uh, hypnosis download. Uh, kind of a, a funny thing, I used to say uh, you'd have to. Uh, text the word hypnosis, but I found that a lot of people didn't know how to spell hypnosis, and so I changed it to easy trance. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Nightingale, any, uh, any final thoughts for us? Yeah, you know, people have no need to fear hypnosis, hypnotherapy, because it's nothing that doesn't happen to you in a natural state. It happens to you all day long. You go into this natural state of hypnosis, whether it's highway hypnosis or whatever it is. And, it, you know, the, working with somebody who's a clinical hypnotherapist is a really good thing because it's in a controlled environment. And, you know, we can never, ever control your mind or your thoughts. You're always in control when you experience hypnotherapy. So if you haven't experienced it, and you've got some issues that you want to address, have a go, try it, try it. But make sure you check out your clinician first. Make sure your hypnotherapist is trained, you know, properly trained to uh, to work with you and um, that they haven't done a Absolutely. kind of... Absolutely. we got to wrap it up right know. now. Thank you, Dr. Nightingale. Okay.